You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome. Welcome in to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the city known as the City Beautiful. That's Orlando, Florida. Thank you to everyone so much for taking a few minutes out to listen to today's episode of the podcast. Excited to dive in. This is episode 126, and I'm going to be uh, evaluating a passage of scripture from the book of Jeremiah. That's Jeremiah 29:11. I'm going to be answering the question whether or not this verse applies to modern Christians today. I think this is really important because I think there's a lot of people that misunderstand this verse and therefore are making some conclusions that maybe are not quite helpful. And so I think it's important to uh, to address. Before we dive in, quick reminder about our website. It's theologyfortherestofus.com. At our website, we've got all of our old episodes. All of them are archived there. All of them have show notes and additional resources. So if you happen to listen to an episode, you like what you hear, you can head over to the website, check out the show notes, and typically there you're going to have some additional reading or additional resources you can check out that will help you learn more about that particular topic. Uh, In addition, while you're on the website, make sure you check out our resources page. We've got a bunch of recommended books, blogs, podcasts, things of that nature. And then, of course, while you're on the site, you can always subscribe. There's a variety of subscription buttons. Subscribing is really important because whenever you're subscribed, it guarantees you never miss an episode. When you're subscribed to the podcast, every episode gets delivered directly to your device so you'll have it right there when you're ready to listen to it. So again, head over to our website, theologyfortherestofus.com. All right, let's dive into the topic at hand. Is Jeremiah 29.11 for Christians today? For those of you who are not familiar with the text, let me read it to you. The ESV puts it this way. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. The NIV puts it this way, and this is the the more famous way it's known. Uh, It says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This is one of the most commonly quoted verses in many uh, modern American evangelical circles. And, And I do think that this verse in a lot of ways, does teach us something about the character and nature of God. That God does overall want good things for his people, for his children. Um, I think there's some Christians that kind of ignore things we learn about the character and nature of God from the Old Testament, and that's extremely odd to me. Uh, the Old Testament, I think, teaches us so much about the character and nature of God that much of the faithfulness that God shows to Israel uh, proves the kind of God that he is, and that certainly is the same type of God that he is to us today. And so we, we see him dealing with the people of Israel in, in such a kind way in so many cases, and and because of that, we know that God will deal with us in, in, with, with incredible kindness. So, so there's no doubt that this verse points to the fact that God wants good things for his people. He loves his people. God favors his people. Just like any good daddy wants to shower his children with good things, God loves showering his children's uh, his children with good things. He's the greatest daddy that there's ever been, right? He's the granddaddy of them all. Um, 
quick sports reference for those of you who are college football fans there. If you're not a college football fan, you can ignore that reference. Um, but the, the bottom line is that we look at the Old Testament and we see that God wants good things for his people. And there's no doubt that Jeremiah 29.11 points to that. And that is awesome and exciting and encouraging. However, it's a big caveat. I feel like I do this often in a lot of episodes, right? I say one thing and then I say but, or say however, there's a caveat. Um, There are several elements about this verse or surrounding this verse that should not be ignored that typically are ignored. A lot of people within certain church circles use this verse to back up the fact that God wants them to be rich or to be prosperous in material wealth or God wants them to prosper and always have success in everything they do in this life and that God wants them to always be healthy and that never and that never anything bad happens to them or you know or that that, that nothing uh, you know no sort of failure comes their way like that's the idea people say listen God doesn't want bad things to happen because God has plans that are good for us God wants to prosper us he gives us a hope and a future you know, God wants to give you all your hopes and all your dreams. Um, and I think when people take this verse and they try to make it seem like that's what God is saying, what they're doing at that point is ignoring the context of this verse. It's extremely important to remember that this promise that God gives through the prophet Jeremiah is to his people, Israel, while they are on their way to exile in Babylon, if you're not familiar, uh, you can do a quick Google search on Babylonian exile of the Jewish people. Um, basically, the Jewish people had not served God faithfully. And so God, as a form of discipline of his people and his children, he allows the Babylonians, he orchestrates for the Babylonians to come in. And the Babylonians wage war. They kill, they destroy, they pillage, they burn things down. It, this is a horrendous war that wipes out Jewish people. And then the ones that survive are dragged away into slavery for 70 years in Babylon. And many of those people who are dragged away into slavery um, never even come back. So in the midst of this circumstance, God says to them, um, I've got plans for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't call the things that were happening to the Jewish people good things, right? I don't know that if I were if I were the Jewish people hearing that, I'd go, wait a minute, you're going to prosper us? What are you talking about? Like, none of this going on seemingly is good. This feels bad, God. This doesn't feel like I'm being prospered here. You see, God makes the claim, the declaration that he has good plans for them. But the things he's doing from their human perspective don't seem good. They don't feel good. But that's because our definition of what is good is often skewed. You see, God has grand desires for his people. He has a desire to mold us to be more godly, to sanctify us, and to rid us of the sin that so easily destroys our lives. God wants us to be more like him, to be more like Jesus. God wants to mold us and transform our hearts so that we love him more, so that we live our lives the way Jesus lived his life, so that we love people the way Jesus loved people. God wants to mold us and make us more godly, ultimately so that he can shine his own glory through us to other people. God's greatest desire for his own people is to mold us and transform us to be more godly so that he could shine his own glory and his own fame through us to the rest of the world. That is a good plan. So in Jeremiah 29 11, when God tells the Jewish people while they're on their way to be slaves, and to be treated inhumanely by the Babylonian people. 
God is saying, I got a plan for you. And that good plan is for you to be molded, to be more like me, Israel, to be more faithful the way I am faithful to you. Israel, I'm going to mold you so that you can be the instrument that, that I use to shout my glory to the Gentiles around you like the Babylonians. That's the good plan that God had for the Jewish people. Now, in the moment, that doesn't feel good, right, to, to go through things that are difficult. But God's good plans are different than our own good plans or what we think they ought to be, right? God does have a hope and a future, a hope and a future of us being sanctified and being more like God. God does indeed have a hope and a future for us, and that is for us to be the instruments that he uses to shout his love to the rest of the world. He did that through Israel, and he's doing it to us, for us and through us today. God has good plans for you. God has a hope and a future for you, I promise you. However, it may not look and feel so good if your perspective is limited. Listen to me carefully, Christian. God is for you. He favors you. He loves you. He adores you. He has good plans for you. But his definition of good might be very different than yours. Listen to that very carefully, okay? God's definition of good plans for you, his understanding of good for you may be very different than what you think is good for you. And I want to say this abundantly clearly. If you and God disagree on something, it is not God who is wrong. If you and God have different ideas as to what is good, it is not he who is wrong. It is you who is wrong and it is you who must begin to shift and change your perspective. Begin to say to God, Lord, would you change my perspective so that I can see what you're doing as good? You see, using the text of Jeremiah 20 and 11 is perfectly fine. It was for the Jewish people in that time frame, but there's no doubt there is a lesson that we can extrapolate and apply to our lives today. But we must never forget God's greatest priority. We must be willing to submit to his greatest desires. God's plan for you may bring some form of suffering into your life in the short term because God knows that the short-term suffering may be helpful to you to help to help bring you into the long-term success that God has for you. The short-term suffering may sanctify you and make you more like God. The short-term suffering may allow you to be pliable, to become the instrument that he has for you. Let me give you a quick example. I've been working out a lot recently for the last few weeks, and I've got this physical train, a personal trainer with a, a small group of guys. And the personal trainer, he wants what's good for me. He wants me to be healthy. He wants me to be lean. He wants me to have a, a strong heart, right? He wants me to shed the pounds that I need to shed. Like, he wants what's good for me in the long term. So you know what he does to me in the short term? He puts me through, through a whole bunch of difficult obstacles that I hate, that I don't want to go through. doesn't feel good. It makes me angry. In fact, it's frustrating. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to go through that. Ultimately, it is for my good. So he purposely puts me through a, a, a temporal, a temporary, sh uh, short-term uh, suffering of some sort that forces my body to rid itself of some bad things in me so that in the long term, I will be healthier and stronger. Let me, let me tell you this. God does the exact same thing. God does have good plans for you. He does have a hope and a future for you. That is true. 
and it's a long-term hope and a plan and a future. And sometimes the short-term doesn't feel good. Sometimes the short-term doesn't feel very prosperous. Sometimes the short-term feels harmful and painful because God has a long-term vision. See, sometimes we take Jeremiah 20 and 11 and we make it seem that God wants us to be successful in everything we do and God wants us to be healthy and happy and wealthy. But that's not the case. God may not want that for you because God may have a grander plan that you don't see. Jeremiah 2911 applies to us today, but it just may not apply to us in the way that maybe we think. God has good plans for all of his children because he desperately loves us, but his plans are always long-term. And I would encourage all of us to keep our minds on that truth. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I sure hope this has been helpful and insightful. If you have a question or a topic you'd like me to address on the podcast, please feel free to shoot me an email. The best address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. If you'd like to connect with me personally, the best place to do that is on Twitter. I love tweeting. I tweet a lot. And I love connecting with people there. So please feel free to find me on Twitter and reach out to me. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.